Everyone, hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off Chesubis, the second chapter, twenty B, the Mishnah, on the bottom. Zok teilikim Mishnah zeimer ksaviyadi v'zev ksaviyadi shachaveder. Two witnesses whose signatures on the documents. So one witness says authenticates his own signature and and his friend's signature. The other witness's signature. And the other witness says, Xaviyadi authenticates his own signature, and he authenticates his friend's signature, the, friend's, the other witness's signature. They are believed, because you have two witnesses on each signature. Each one is testifying, affirming his own signature, and the other witness is also testifying to his signature. What if But if each one only authenticates their own signature, says I recognize my signature. I don't know about the other one's signature. So in that case, you need another witness, a third witness, to join both of them to corroborate their authentication. Then you have to have for each signature. You have to have two witnesses. So if each witness just authenticates his own signature, there's only one witness on... on you know, I need two witnesses for each signature. So they bring a third person, and the third person could, if he knows or recognizes both signatures, he joins both of them, and therefore each signature ends up with having two witnesses testifying, authenticating the signature. The rabbis say, no. In this case, you don't need to add a third party. It's enough if the witness himself, if a stranger is authenticating these signatures, then I need two witnesses to authenticate his signature. But if it's the witnesses themselves, it's enough that each witness says, this is my, my handwriting, period, this is my signature. Then I have two witnesses, between the two of them, I have two witnesses in the document, so that's fine. But will explain what is the reasoning, the logic behind their argument. Okay, that's like the team, so when you thoroughly analyze this argument, you'll realize that according to Debbie's opinion, we continue in 21a, according to Debbie holds that the witnesses are testifying on the signature. Therefore, I need two witnesses on each signature. It's not enough that each witness authenticates his own signature. Then it's only one witness. But according to the rabbis, he's not authenticating the signature. He's authenticating what happened. Just like originally, two witnesses, they testify, we saw that he lent so-and-so, and this is what happened, or he sold so-and-so. So when they're, when they're coming, in other words, do they have to remember, really the question is, do they have to remember what happened? Let's say he doesn't remember a thing. <laughs> just verifies the signature. Just verifies the signature. Right, right, right. The rabbis say that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if it triggers his memory, but he has to remember what happened. He's rem- remembering what happened. He says, "Yes, I testified on this. This is exactly what happened. I, I saw what happened. I put my oh. name down." Mm-hmm. So that's the case. Just like originally, two witnesses are good. Here also, two witnesses are good. He's not testifying on the signature. They're testifying what. If I have the original witnesses, they're testifying on what happened. So I have two witnesses. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what else could be the basis of their argument? What do you even have to tell us? 
But it says, I would think, I would think maybe Rebbe has a doubt. He's, he's not sure. Are they testifying on their signature? Are they testifying on what happened? So that's what he's saying. No, Rebbe doesn't have a doubt. And, and the Rambam says that according to, according to the rabbis, the witnesses have to remember. If they don't remember what happened, they can't testify. They can't, it's not enough to authenticate their document. It could trigger the memory, but they have to remember exactly what happened. That's what they're testifying. question is, why does this document have the force of a written document? If the authentication is not a th- authentication, because I don't have two witnesses and each signature... So all I have is their testimony. Two witnesses who testify, yes, this is what happened. He loaned so-and-so, he sold so-and-so. So it should be like an oral, like an oral loan. There's no document there. The document has never been authenticated. And the difference is if there's a mortgage or not. How can you mortgage a property, take away a mortgageable property based on, on, on an oral loan? If there's no witnesses, there's no document, you can't take away, mortgage, you can't take away the mortgage property. So the commentaries say because really biblically you don't need any authentication. It's only rabbinic you need authentication. So therefore, this, this is enough of authentication that the document is considered a good a good document. But anyway, so I would think that the Rebbe is not sure if they are testifying on this signature or they're testifying on the actual loan. And Benafkimina, what's the practical difference? If one of the witnesses died, we would require two people in the market to testify about a signature. The surviving witness cannot testify on his colleague's signature, the one who died. Why not? Because the Imkain, because if you're going to say, that the surviving witness could testify for on his colleague's signature, his colleague who died in his signature, and three quarters of the money, you're extracting three quarters of the money from the borrower based on one witness. It has to be two witnesses, two equal witnesses. So each one carries a 50-50 weight. But here he's carrying three, 75% of the weight because he's testifying on himself, on his own signature. And he's testifying on the signature. He's one of the witnesses who's testifying on the signature of of his colleague. So it means his fifty percent plus twenty half twenty five percent. Him and someone else. He's, he can't testify alone, but him together with someone else. So it turns out the seventy five percent of the money you're extracting from the borrower based on his testimony. So therefore, since we're uncertain if they're testifying on what happened or they're testifying on the signature, so therefore, Rebbe is strict that when the, the witnesses are both alive, he says he requires each one to verify both signatures. And also in our case, in the case where one witness dies, also he would be stringent. He would require two new witnesses to verify that signature.
That's why Kamash Mulan, that's why the that's why the Gemara tells us, lets us know the Debbi Mishapshitli. Debbi it's certain, he doesn't have any doubts. It's clear according to Debbi, Debbi holds hundred percent that they are testifying on the signature, not on what happened. Therefore, Bain Lakullah Bain whether it leads to a leniency or leads to stringency, that's what we follow. Two, two witnesses who signed the document. One of the witnesses dies. You need two strangers, two people from the market to testify about the signature of the one who died. Like the rabbis, but in this case, in this case, Rebbe is lenient, and the rabbis are stringent. Because according to Rebbe, you only need one person from the marketplace to join the surviving witness to testify about 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 both signatures. Because according to Rebbe, you're not taking seventy-five percent; you're only taking fifty percent. Because for his signature, he also needs another witness to join him. It's not enough that he's testifying in his own signature. You need another witness to join him. So you need someone from the market, a third party, to, to join him and authenticate his own signature. And he joins the other signature. He testifies in the other signature. Together with the third party, he also authenticates the other signature. So, he, so he's only extracting 50% based on his testimony. So according to Rebbe, it would, it would turn out to be a leniency. Since Rebbe is certain that they're testifying on the signature, they're not testifying on what happened. If they're testifying, so then you only extract the 50%, then it's good. But according to the rabbis, that the witnesses are testifying on what happened. So then he is testifying, so he's 50%, so he's, t- he's one of the witnesses of what happened. The other 50, it's because you authenticated the second uh, witness's signature, the, with the witness who died. So if you're going to rely on his authentication, it turns out that seven, together with the third party, so it turns out that 75% of the loan is being extracted based on his testimony. Because he's testifying what happened. And that's 50%. And plus, he is one of the two witnesses who's authenticating his partner's signature. So in that case, he would not be able to collect with this. With this. So, so that, rabbis who are lenient, in our case, and say, it's enough that each witness authenticates his own, you don't need a third party. They're lenient. But in this case, if one witness dies, they would be strict. They would say, no, I can't. I need two people from the marketplace to authenticate the other signature. He can't be a party and authenticate it. But according to Debbie, who's strict, in the other case, who says, if, one, that, that if both witnesses are alive, it's not, I need two witnesses for each signature. Either he, each witness testifies on himself and the other signature, and the other witness likewise, or each witness te- authenticates their own signature and they bring a third party in who joins them, and you have two witnesses authenticating each signature. So that be a strict. But in our case, when one witness dies, Rebbe would be lenient. Because Rebbe would say that um, Rebbe would say that the only testifying on the signature is not testifying on what happened. So therefore, when the live witness, the surviving witness testifies in the signature, it's not enough for him. He needs someone else to join him. So he's only 50%, he's only 25%. And he can, he can, he can join someone else to authenticate his partner, the one who died, his signature. So then he's only carrying 
and therefore it's, uh, it's valid. The Gemara asks, What if you don't have two witnesses who recognize the signature of the, of the witness who died, but there's one witness, and the surviving witness recognizes it? So what do you do? You're stuck? You're saying according to the rabbis there's nothing, nothing you could do? Because I need two witnesses and the dead witness's signature. I can't use the surviving witness as one of the two because then it turns out that you're taking 75%, you're extracting 75% of the loan based on his testimony. It has to be 50-50. So what do you do? We, don't, we can't find another witness. What, what do you do? You're stuck. Yes, I'm Rabbi. Rabbi says, Let the surviving witness write a signature on a shard, you know, something disposable. Throw it into the court. And the court will verify a signature on the document by comparing the signature on the document to that on the shard. Therefore, we don't need his authentication for his own signature. The court can do it. So therefore, now he can he together with the third party, with the other party, he can now testify on his colleagues, the dead witness's signature, because now you're not extracting seventy-five percent on him. It's not on him. I don't need his authentication for his own signature. I have that independently, because we compared it to his handwriting independently. So therefore, now we can go ahead and join someone else to testify on his deceased colleague's signature. The mother says, Only he says specifically on a shard, but not on a part, on a scroll. Why? Because if he puts a signature on a scroll, maybe a dishonest person will find it. Or right, he'll make up a document. <laughs> I have a signature. It's invaluable. Now I'll write a whole document that he's as if he signed Home Megillah that he signed something and never happened. But a shard. Now we learn. If we lend the producers against the borrower, a note written in the borrower's own hand, he does. He admits I owe so and so. He's writing I owe so and so money. He holds the handwriting and he signs it. So the lender can go ahead and collect it. Right, right. Go even and he can collect it from uh, from. He can collect. He can collect. It's not mortgageable property because it doesn't have witnesses. It's not a legal document. He can't take away property that was sold to someone else. But his own, if he has available property, he can go and collect in it. So a, 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 um, a scrupulous, an unscrupulous person will go and find this megillah and make a whole thing. But if it's a shard, it's disposable. It's garbage. No one's writing any megillah. No one's writing any document. If you bring it. It's an obvious forgery. We'll throw it out. That you write an earthenware on a shard is not acceptable. It's not legal because uh, it lends itself to <laughs> right the corruption. To, to, you can you can play with it, and you can't tell if it was a race, not a race. Therefore, we don't even pay attention. So you can forge whatever you want. We're not even going to pay attention. There's no danger. There's no 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 risk. said in the name of Shmuel. In our Mishnah, the law follows the rabbis that the witnesses are testifying on what happened and not testifying on the signature. And therefore, it's enough that each one authenticates his own signature. Clarifies that it means two things. Firstly, 
When the rabbis say, when the rabbis say that they're testifying on what happened, even if they say clearly, well, we're only testifying on our signature. Doesn't matter. Even if they say clearly we're testifying on the signature, not on the loan, doesn't matter. They're, they're testifying on the loan. And according to the Rabbi, even if they say clearly we're testifying on what happened on the loan, doesn't, it's as if they're testifying on the signature. What's our Buddha Mishra coming to tell me? Obviously. The Torah always says you follow the majority. It's one of the mitzvahs in the Torah. You follow the majority in court. You follow the majority. So what, what are you kind of who was telling the chiddush that we follow the rabbis versus Rabbi Meir? So he says, the time I would think I would say Allah The law follows Rabbi over his colleagues, even over his col- even over his, his many colleagues. In this case, we follow the the sole opinion. So that's why Kamash Malon. That the law follows the rabbis. Argument in Rebbe and the rabbis. So you would think the law follows Rebbe. Rebbe is the equivalent of all the rabbis. Rebbe is the, the rabbi of the Jewish people. Rabban Shal Yisrael. He was called the Rebbe. There's only one Rebbe. So you would think Rebbe overrides even his colleagues. We follow Rebbe. That's what's coming to teach us. No, that we follow them. That the law does not follow Rebbe in this case. We follow the rabbi. Do we say the law follows the Rebbe when he argues with any of his colleagues individually? But when he's arguing with all of his colleagues, then we don't follow Rebbe. We follow the majority opinion. That's what Abu Dhabi is coming to teach us. Okay, the Gemara gives a mnemonic: Nach Nad Chad. These are the names of the of the sages who were. Did Shmuel actually say this? The law follows the rabbis. Who started nothing with Dinah and Shmuel? There was a document that emerged from the court of Shmuel. Babak Sibbin was written. That since Rav Onan Barchia came and testified about, authenticated his own signature. And the authenticity of the signature of the one who signed with him. Umano, who was the other witness who was signed on the document? The signature was on the document. Manu, Rabchanu Barabu, Rabchanu Barabu. Umida also Rabchanu Barabu, Vasadach Simas Yadi. And since Rabchanu Barabu came and testified about and authenticated his own signature, and about the authenticity of the signature of the one who signed with him. No, each one testified in his own signature plus his colleagues. Rav Onan Barchia testified on his own signature and on the signature of his colleague, Rav Chanan Barab. Rav Chanan Barab came and testified and authenticated his own signature and he authenticated his colleague's signature, the signature of Rav Onan Barchia. So because of that, Asher Nino became Nino Kedachazi. We reinforced and certified it it's, uh, um, as fit. It's notarized and it's certified. So what do we see? That Shmuel holds like Rebbe. 
The only reason they authenticated it is because he had two witnesses and each signature. Not like the rabbis. So how can you say Shmuel, Shmuel gave, rendered the verdict as the law follows the rabbis and not Rabbi? So Malay Rabbi Huda said, who started the Yasmeh? That was a special case. That was a document of orphans. Shmuel was concerned about an erroneous court. Shmuel was worried that, yeah, okay, the document was authenticated. The document that belonged to the orphans was authenticated. But when the orphans will come to collect using this document, maybe an erroneous court will see, wait a minute, each witness only authenticated his own signature. Rav Anon only authenticated his own signature, and Rav Chana only authenticated his own signature. And maybe an erroneous court will think the law follows a Rebbe, even when he's arguing with all of his colleagues put together. And they'll say, I'm sorry, it's not a legal document, it was never authenticated, it's a mistake. So in order to protect the orphans of an erroneous court, those who didn't show up to Dafyaymi today and fell asleep by this year, who forgot. So therefore, he, he did an extra protection. So he asked each witness to authenticate not only his own testimony, but also his colleague's testimony. So even if you follow the opinion, even if erroneously you follow the opinion of Rebbe, according to everyone, unanimously, it's an authenticated document. So there will never be any problems for the orphans when they come to collect using this document. Maybe there are those who hold the law follows it. Abby. The court that holds it, even though that the law in general follows it, Abby, when he argues with one of his colleagues, not when he's arguing with all of his colleagues. But in this case, it's different. In the case, in this halacha, the law follows it. Why would this case be different? Why would, why would this case be different? No, he's not worried about an erroneous bezin that's clueless. We're talking about Torah scholars. Everyone knows that the law doesn't follow Rebbe when he's arguing with all of his colleagues. But they would say this case is different. Why? Because the opinion of, Rebbe, of the rabbis is very difficult to understand. Because we're talking about a case where even if the witnesses say, listen, we don't remember what happened. It happened so many years ago. But I can tell you this is my signature. So the rabbis say it's as if they're testifying on what happened. Really? They say they don't remember. So it's very difficult. It's not so logical. Debbie's mm-hmm. opinion is more logical. They say, listen, we're testifying on the signature. And it's not enough to testify on what happened. Even if they say openly, we're testifying, we remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not, a, it's not a written document. Then it's an oral loan. An oral loan, you can't, you can't, uh, there's no lien on mortgageable properties based on the oral loan. There's no document. This document is not valid. I don't have two witnesses authenticating each signature. So Rebbe's position is much more logical than the rabbi's position. So maybe an erroneous person will think that in this case we do, we say the law follows Rebbe, even if he's arguing with all of his colleagues together. That's why Shmuel was careful to protect the, the orphans. It doesn't hurt you. You don't really need each witness to authenticate the other ones, other witnesses. Really, the law follows the rabbis. It's enough each witness authenticates his own signature, period. But just to protect 
the, the orphans from an erroneous Bezdin. So he says, let, let me let me do it in a way that's 100% to everyone. Everyone agrees that it's an it's a, it's a authenticated document. That's why, he, that's why he insisted each one authenticated his own and, and, and the other, and his colleague's signature. A witness who signed a document and a judge who signed a certification could authenticate it together. The lender comes with a document that's already been authenticated, was already notarized, authenticated. But he claims, the borrower claims, wait a minute, it's all a forgery. The signatures are forgery. The certification is a forgery. Rabbi Huda says, in the name of Shmuel, that if one of the original signers and one of the judges who signed the notary authenticates his own signature, then it's valid. So what do you accomplish if, if you're authenticating and notarizing a document and then you can claim the whole thing is a forgery, the witnesses, the document, and the authentication itself is also a document, is, is also a forgery, so what do you accomplish? What you accomplish is, I don't, now I don't have to authenticate the witnesses if I just, if the judges authenticate. The judges who sign, so I added another layer, that the, now I can just authenticate the judges, I can authenticate the signature of the judges. Then it's, I'm good to go. Or even one judge and one witness. I don't need both witnesses. I don't need both judges who signed the name. One judge and one witness is also good to go. So that so that's that's what you have achieved. So what you accomplish is what do you accomplish? What you accomplish is that by authenticating, even though it could be challenged, is that now you can authenticate the do do. Two judges who authenticated the document, notarized the document, they could, they could authenticate the whole. It's enough if you authenticate them, and now the whole document is good to go. Or, like the mother says now, one of the witnesses together with one of the judges also. The question is why? The rabbis say that when the witness authenticates his document, what he's really authenticating is his testimony, what really happened. So I only have one witness. The judge didn't see what happened. The judge is only testifying on the signature. So how, how could you extract the loan, the borrower, based on the combination of the judge together with the witness? You need two witnesses to authenticate each signature. The only reason the rabbis say you don't need two witnesses for each signature, it's enough that each, wit- each witness authenticates his own signature, because they're really testifying on what happened. So you have two witnesses, definitely. But in this case, how could you say the same with the judge and the and the, the, the judge doesn't know what happened? He wasn't present. All he did was authenticate the signature. So I have I don't have two two uh, authentication, two witnesses on, on, on that signature. And you're relying on that one witness who's authenticating his own signature, who's testifying what happened. It's only based on one witness. How could, you, how could you take out money based on one witness? The Shainim say that really it's a leniency. You're right. But since the whole authentication, the need for authentication is only rabbinic. Biblically, I come with a document, it's good to go. I don't even, someone says it's forged. I don't believe it. Prove that it's forged. Until you prove that it's forged, it's a legal document. The rabbis insisted that it has to be 
since the rabbis insist that, and what are the chances that the forger forged the witnesses, the document, and the authentication, the rabbinic, the court's authentication, the notarization? That's very far-fetched. The rabbis say, you know what, this is enough. Witness, together with the judge, they both authenticate their signatures, it's enough to collect. We can fall back on the original, the biblical, that this force and validity of this document. We don't have to worry. And the hazard is as far-fetched. You already have authentication. It was already notarized. So, I mean, you really, I mean, a person really has to be so clever and so thought out that he, he not only forges, I think he's playing with the courts, you know, you're, you're playing with the courts, you're, you're making up courts, you know, you can be arrested, f- f- forging a judge's signature, you know, you're playing... Right, you're playing with fire. So what are the chances but, but you claim that it's forged? Okay, we have to take it seriously. So the rabbis say it's enough that the judge and the one judge and one of the witnesses can join together and then it's enough to authenticate the document. How excellent is this teaching? What's so excellent about this teaching? On the contrary, it's very difficult. Each one is testifying to something else. The witnesses is testifying on what happened. He signed the document. The judge is testifying on the notarization and the authentication. So what's so brilliant and superior about this teaching? came. He said, don't listen to those rules that my brother Yehuda said. Yehuda Bar who said in the name of Shmuel, don't listen to it. The law is that one, the testimony of a witness and a judge cannot be combined because they're not testifying about the same thing. And it makes sense. According to the rabbis, he's testifying on what happened. The judge has no clue what happened. He's, all he's testifying is that we notarized, we authenticated the signature, that's all. So how could you combine these two? What kind of court? side B, 21 B. The brother of Chiyabar visited a certain place to buy sesame seeds. And he said, this is what Shmuel said. <laughs> Why is it important for us to know what he was doing in that place? He was buying sesame seeds? I don't know, but his mother tells us. So while he was there, even when he's buying sesame seeds, what's on his mind? His mind is not on sesame seeds, his mind is on Torah. So he said, Shmuel said that the, the, the witness and the judge, the authentic, one of the authenticated judge, could together, combine together to authenticate the document. How superior is this teaching? Shavashi said to that since because your mother's father, Rami Barchama, Rami Barchama was Amema's um, mother, his grandfather, his mother's his maternal grandfather. So just because Rami Barchama, like we learned on side A, praised this teaching and this ruling, how superior it is, you also have to also have to praise it. You're also following in your grandfather's footsteps. At refuted it and says on the contrary. And Rami Barchama says how inferior it is. What an inferior teaching, and don't follow this teaching. 
You need a court. A court is three judges, a minimum of three judges. They're sitting down to authenticate, to authenticate, uh, to notarize the document. Two of the judges recognize it on their own. They recognize it with the, the signature. One of the three judges doesn't recognize it. Before the two judges sign the document, the certification, meet them in front of a case, they can testify before the remaining judge as witnesses. We recognize the signature. And then all three of them could sign and authenticated. So in this case, a ju- usually a, a, a witness cannot become a judge. But in this case, the whole thing is rabbinic. To authenticate, this ju- the witness himself could become a judge. If two of the court judges, they recognize it, so they act as witnesses, testify before the third, so they know it, and now he knows it because they testify before him, and now all three turn into a court, and they authenticate the document as a court. But but after the two judges already signed the certification, now they can no longer testify before the remaining judge and have him sign. They signed it, it was a falsehood. They signed it as judges. There were no, there were no judges. There were no three judges. The other judge, only two, because the other one doesn't know. He, doesn't, he never heard any testimony about the signature. So they can't sign it, and then they're going to testify, and now we have a third who's going to join us. No, when you sign it, you have to have a court. There was no court, there was no three. Even, even if they testify before they sign. How could you, how could they act as a court, become a court and all three sign and authenticate? The papi said in the name of the a judicial certification. It was written before the witnesses testified, before the signature was authenticated. So it's invalid. Because it appears to be a falsehood. Oh, so they're asking you saying that they have to testify before they sign the authentication. But they could write the authentication. So yes, what do you mean? He can't even write the authentication. Before they put their signature to, to, the, to, the, to the notarization, before they even put their signature, they can't even write it. Because if you write it before they testify to the third one, it looks, it appears to be false. So first the two have to testify to the third one. Now when all three know that the signatures are authentic, now you sit down and write that we sat and we, we know and we're authenticating it. And now you, and then you, and then you can put down the signature. But you're saying all that's required is that before they sign, they could write the authentication, they could write it up ready to be signed, but before they sign it, let the two testify before the three, and then all three sign together. It's not enough. You have to testify, the two have to testify before the one, before they even write the whole thing. Ella rather aim must say, actually cost will be in the front of You're right. Say that before they even write up the authentication, notarization, then, then, they, have to, then they have to testify, then they can write it up and sign it.
Mishakasu, once they write it and meet them in front of Chesav, then it's too late. Because it appears to be false. From this we learn three halachas, three laws. That in this case, even though in general a witness cannot become a judge, but in this case the witness could be the judge. The, ju- the witness, the judge, the jury, the <laughs> it could be. Because since it's only rabbinic, so we're lenient. If the, wit- the judges themselves recognize the signatures, you don't need anyone to testify before them. They recognize it themselves. Why is their knowledge any less than someone comes and testifies before them? <laughs> they know it. I, don't need, I, I know it. I, don't need, I recognize these signatures. I know it's real. In other words, if all three judges would recognize the signatures, you wouldn't need any testimony. They sit down and write right away. We recognize you don't need any testimony. With the fact that the two judges testify before the third, and they, all three of them now become judges, so you see clearly that if you don't need any, there's no outside witness. Besides the court, besides these three, there was no outside witness brought in authenticate it's not needed if, if all three judges know recognize the handwriting it's fine they can write and the third thing we learn that judges who don't recognize the signature of the witness the witnesses have to testify before all all the judges all three of them in other words, let's say only two judges were sitting and heard the witnesses. The other judge was out for lunch. He went to the bathroom. <laughs> he can't. Okay, well now he comes back. Okay, let's all sign. We heard two judges heard two witnesses. And now we, let's the court write. No. Every judge is putting his name down. Every judge has to know and has to hear the witness in the testimony. Otherwise, why did the two have to testify to the third? Mm-hmm. Have to testify to say, listen, we recognize it, and I mean, I mean, let's all let's all sides. Here, the minister says, first we have to be a witness. The two have to become a witness and testify. And then they all sit down. Then they put on the, the the judge's robe and they sit down. They put on the talus and they sit down and they authenticate. Okay. okay, I can agree with you. I can accept the first thing that you derive. That we see clearly that a, ju- a witness could become a judge in this case. How do you learn that? How do you derive that from this law? That if all three judges would recognize the signature, you don't need any testimony at all. They can just sit down right away and a notarized, authenticated document. Really, you do need. Even if all three judges recognize it, it's not enough. You have, to, you have to have a testimony. You have to have two witnesses come and testify before them. The shiny hacha here is different. Because they fulfill the mitzvah of testimony, there's one judge who doesn't know. So they're testifying before the one judge. But you have to have a testimony. And the third thing that you learn, that you infer, that judges that don't recognize the signature, all three judges have to hear the testimony of the two witnesses. How do we know that? Dilma, perhaps. Really, I will tell you, it's not necessary. 
if two of the judges heard the testimony, it's enough. The third judge can add his name and sign and sit down together with him. Here's different. In the case, if the two judges would not testify before the third one, since there's no outside testimony, the reason they have to testify is not because the third judge has to know and has to hear the testimony. Otherwise, the problem here is there's no testimony. We just established you have to have a testimony. If all, even if all three judges recognize the signature, it's not kosher. I need someone on the outside to come and testify. So in this case, all I have is the judges. No one is, no one is testifying. That's why two judges stand up and testify. But what if there is outside testimony? It's enough that two of the judges hear it, and the third one doesn't even have to be present, and then the third one joins them, and they can sign their name. He's saying the law does not follow Ravashi. The law follows that the law follows that we all, like all three laws, that a, a witness could become a judge in this case regarding the authenticating a document, and if all three judges recognize the signature, it's enough. You don't need any outside testimony, and all three judges have to hear. If there is outside testimony, all three judges have to hear and know and hear the testimony, and only then could they put their name down, despite the questions of Ravashi. And he, he stated this teaching that a witness could become a judge. We learned in the Mishnah, we learned in Rosh Hashanah, which we already learned. Best three people saw the new moon. And they are members of the court. Two of them should stand up. And they should seat two other sages from their colleagues with the one, with one of them. And they should testify before them. And they should say, They should proclaim the month is sanctified. Because until the court sanctifies the new month, it's not Rishchidosh. Why do you have to do this? All three of them saw it. Why can't they just announce right away, Mekudosh, Mekudosh, to clear it Rishchidosh? Because... Because a judge is not trusted to proclaim Rishchidosh by himself. A single judge can't sanctify the new moon. So you have to add two other colleagues to join the single judge. So all three of them, you have a proper court, which is a minimum of three judges. And then after they hear the testimony, all three of them could announce, Mekudosh, Mekudosh could sanctify the new moon. As if you remember, Rosh Hashanah, you might ask, why do you, why do you have to get up and testify? If the three judges see the new moon, why is it any worse? If I see it with my own eyes, what's the point of testimony? I need witnesses to tell me what happened, to know what happened. If I see it myself, seeing myself should, should be even stronger than uh, witness testimony. Why can't the three judges? Tell? The rabbi says, "Yeah, you would if if they saw it. Let's say the end of the twenty-ninth day. Rishchidosh could only be sanctified during the day. That's why if you forget Yalav Yavli at night, you don't have to repeat it because you can't sanctify the new moon at night. If they see it at the end of the day, it's still day. Then the three judges, you don't need any testimony. The three judges can immediately sanctify the new moon. No problem. Problem is, they saw it at night. They can't sanctify it. They have to wait till the morning." Mm-hmm. When it comes to the morning, now they have to act as witnesses because it's not at the moment when they saw it. Even though they saw it and they know it, it's not enough. Now you have to testify. So what do you do? So two, two of the three become witnesses. 
to their colleague. Their colleague is, is alone, so he has, to, he has to add another two to him. So you have a Besden. And then when the court hears the testimony, they go ahead, on these two witnesses, they go ahead and sanctify, sanctify uh, the new moon. Uh, if you're going to tell that a witness could become a judge, why do I need all of them? Let the witnesses themselves, who testify before their single colleague, now all three act as a court and say, sanctify the Why do you have to add another two? So Baba answered, I, had, I also had this question. I asked this question to Rabbi Yitzchak, son of Shmuel. Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Huna, Rabbi Huna, Chiyah, Barab. And Rabbi Yitzchak asked Rabbi Huna, and Rabbi Huna asked Rabbi Chiyah, Barab. Yeah, you're right, Rabbi Chiyah, Barab. Chiyah, Barab, Barab, Chiyah, Barab, asked Rabbi. And he answered, When it comes to something biblical, a, ju- a witness cannot be a judge. It comes to something rabbinic, like authenticating documents, which is only rabbinic, because by biblical law, a document that's signed by witnesses is is like testimony, and you, even if it's so, you can't challenge it unless you bring witnesses that it's forged. It's up to you to prove that it's forged. Otherwise, we can't challenge it. But the rabbis say you have to authenticate. So therefore, therefore you can be lenient, and in this case, in the case of authentication, even a, a witness could turn into a judge. If three judges sat down to certify a document, someone challenged one of the judges whether he's fit to be a judge. Maybe he sinned. Maybe he stole. If before the other two judges signed the certification, they can testify on the fitness of the third judge, and then he can sign the certification with it. But once they've already signed, they cannot testify on the character and the fitness of the third judge, and, and, uh, and therefore you can't join them, you can't sign with them. Because once they act already as a court, then it's biased. They they, they need him as a as a as a as a third as a, as a third signature, because otherwise they sat in judgment with someone who's a who's a ganif or someone who's disqualified. So it's in their interest to testify that he's a noble character. But before they sign, they judge. They're just two independent witnesses, two Jews who are testifying in his character and their belief. What is out of the mind? What 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 was the protest about this individual judge? He out of the If the complaint is that he stole, he's a ganav. We continue on twenty twenty two a. Let's already go to the mission. Today it's raining. Then it's two against two. Two witnesses claim the judge is a thief. The other two judges claim he's not a thief. So it's two against two. So he should not be allowed to sit in the court. Why not? Why a person doesn't have doesn't have a chazaka of innocence? Taisu says, I don't understand. Why, why doesn't he have a chazaka of innocence?
Witnesses cancel out the other. You can ruin a person's reputation just because uh, two, two witnesses come and say he's a Ganev and two witnesses says he's not. Mm-hmm. Throw them out, cancel out each other, and as far as we know, he's a wonderful Jew. Mm-hmm. Good standing. So others of want to say that, yes, he, he's in good standing. But not to extract money from another Jew. The other Jew can say, wait a minute, I believe the two witnesses is a Ganev. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he's a Ganev. You're going to read, based on this Ganev, you're taking money from me? And I have nothing to say. I can't say he's not. Maybe he is. So he has a chazak of innocence, I have a chazak. My money should stay in my pocket. <laughs> so why is my, my chazak any less than your chazak? So just leave it as is. So rather, but if the challenge is an accusation of his, uh, regarding his lineage, let's say they say he's a Canaanite slave, he's not fit to do, give a judgment for a Jew. He's not, he's not, a, he's not 100% Jewish. He's not the authentic Jew. So Gilu Milsabamwi, in that case, it's just a clarification. You can investigate. You can know if he's a slave or not. You can't make up these things. It's very easily verifiable. If he's a Jew, we know his mother, we know his father, we know his grandmother, we know his grandfather. You can check all these things. You wouldn't rely on the witnesses. You can you'll you'll do your own investigation. Until until you clarify. And if we know he's not a slave, obviously he's fit to be a judge. Do they sign? It's not a question of testimony. You can just fact. Verifiable <laughs> fact. You know who the mother is. You know who the father is. You know. You know. I mean, what, what's so rather the The complaint is that he's a gun. The other witnesses say, we're not disagreeing with you that he's a Ghana. The two judges, his fellow judges, his colleagues, are not disagreeing that he's a Ghana. It's not a contradiction one against the other. Yes, he did steal. But we know for a fact he did shuvah. Halachic shuvah. We can prove, provable shuvah. That he was tempted, he was in another situation, he was anonymous, he could have gotten away with it. And he didn't. He didn't steal, he gave up. So uh, there are halachic, verif- objective, verifiable truths. So that's what they're testifying. So, so, there's no, so, then, so then you believe them. That's what he said. Depends when they testify. Before they signed or after they signed. Amr Abzaydeh said... This following matter I learned from Rabbi Abba. And if not for Rabbi Abba of Aku, I would have forgotten. What did I hear from Rabbi Abba? Three judges sat down to certify a document of Mesech, and one of them died before they signed. They must write on the certification. We sat down, we were three. And then there was only two left. One of them is no longer alive. All three authenticated it. But by the time they wrote the signature, one of them died. So only two of them write the signature. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my smicha from, uh, from our Rosh Shiva and he fahed, and we passed. But before he signed the document, it would take a while till he signed the paper, he passed away. <laughs> so someone else had to sign the document. Someone, I didn't, we never learned by, he never learned, you know. 
but uh, so but so that but so it's a kosher document because it, it was 100 percent. We authenticated it. We were three. The only reason the only two of us are signing is because the other one died before we got a chance to sign it. But if it was written in the certification, started in that this document emerged before the court, so let's start. You don't have to elaborate. Because everyone knows a court is three. So even though I only see two signatures, I understand a court is three. It was heard before three. It was vetted by three. Only two sign a name because one of them died before we had a chance to put our names down. How is that proof enough? Maybe it's a chutzpah bezin. Two judges are so insolent who claim, I don't need a third one. It's a din. It's valid. But they called an insolent court. So how do you prove if you're just going to write that this star came before us, the court, how do I know there was three judges? And you have to have three judges. Maybe only two, two, two people certified. Because the law does not follow Shmuel. Shmuel says that two judges are also a court. But we don't follow Shmuel. I need three judges. I only see two signatures. Goodbye. It's, it's invalid. The document is worthless. Just because you wrote Bezdin, maybe it was like they, they followed Shmuel's opinion. But it's wrong. So therefore you have to write that you have to elaborate. We were three, all three of us, before we signed, one of them died, one of us died, and therefore only two, only, you only have two signatures. But the answer is no. They write, referring to a case where it's written in the certification of the court of Rav Ashi. The court of Rav Ashi doesn't follow Shmuel's opinion. We don't follow Shmuel's opinion. It means a proper court is made of three. There's no errors. It's a, it's a prominent court. It wouldn't make such an error. Maybe the rabbis of Ravashi hold like Shmuel. He might answer, Ravashi told us, and he instructed us. Ravashi, we know, Ravashi knows the law does not follow. Maybe the rabbis in Ravashi's court would think the law follows Shmuel. But Ravashi himself would never make that mistake. Ravashi himself knows he's the author, he's the author of the Gemara. <laughs> so he knows that the law does not follow Shmuel and therefore there's no mistake. So if it's written that it was a prominent court and it was authorized by Ravashi, we know that there's three. And the only reason there's only two signatures is because one of them died before they had a chance to put their name down, to sign their name. Everyone have a wonderful